As Protestants and Catholics, we worship the same God, we just do it a little differently. For example, Protestants worship God in their Bible studies, fellowship, and spirit-filled services. And Catholics worship God in their beautiful cathedrals, liturgies, and sacred traditions. But that's no reason to behave like prideful little children in the Father's house, fighting over who God loves more, just because we think our way is the best way. For there is no distinction between Jews and Gentiles, and there is no distinction between Protestants and Catholics. The same Lord is Lord of all, and is generous to all who call on Him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. We are all God's children, but the enemy has us distracted and divided against ourselves. Meanwhile, he's destroying our families and robbing our children of their future. We must join forces. Let's stop talking about how we are different and start talking about how we are all the same in our struggles. We are all broken and we all need a savior named Jesus. We like this idea so much we created Broken Catholic, the number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Now close your eyes and take a listen as everyday Christians reveal shocking before and after stories of how they resisted or cooperated with God's plan for their life and what happened next. Hi, this is Dr. Scott Hahn and you're listening to Joseph Warren with Broken Catholic. You're going to enjoy everything you hear. Today, my featured guest is Jacob Wells. And Jacob Wells, first and foremost, before I tell you what he does for a profession, which you're going to be so impressed by, BC Nation, but Jason, Jacob Wells is a Jesus follower, like you. He's a husband, he's a father to biological, adoptive, and foster children. I'm sure he's going to tell us about those decisions. Uh, he's fifth of 12 siblings and co-founder of Ready?, the international crowdfunding platform, GiveSendGo.com. GiveSendGo.com. Some of you are users on his platform. Obviously, the left and the media have pushed us over there, right? Because of the way they've mistreated truth, trying to confine it, which you can't do. It's impossible. Truth will always come out, bust out of the prisons that go around it. GiveSendGo is one of those branches, right? So Jacob is also a military veteran. He's a musician and infrequent marathon runner. I really like that, infrequent. He loves life and shares it with everyone he meets. I met him at the Catholic Men's Conference, the National Catholic Men's Conference, just about a month ago or so. And uh, immediately when I walked over to him, he just, he has a light right there. And I was like, Hey Jacob, this is what I do. I run the, you know, this top podcast, blah, blah, blah. And I think Jacob's uh, first words of his mouth were, well, we want to get on board with that. How can we help sponsor it? And I was just like, wow, that's not something most people lead with. Um, but it just shows his generate his generous heart. So Jacob Wells, enough of this flattery. Jeez. <laughs> Welcome to Broken Catholic, number one podcast in the world for Protestants and Catholics. Go ahead and just fill in some of the gaps in that intro, would you? Oh my goodness! Well, that was uh, that was quite quite comprehensive. Like I did say, I am uh, going to start with my heritage. I am one of twelve siblings, a big family. So I grew up in a a very dynamic environment, family dynamic, because there were so many of us. There's no no twins. Um, all same two parents, all individual births. So six boys and six girls. It was an even split, uh, which was yeah, pretty amazing that we we doubled the Brady bunch. Um, and you, you doubled my family. 
We were yeah. three boys and three girls. Yeah. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, yeah. That, that that's a big family itself. It's pretty pretty crazy. It was a it was an incredible upbringing. I grew up in in southern New Hampshire, so about a half an hour north of Boston, with some great parents parents that loved Jesus and and did their best to emulate Him um, in their lives, and that really trickled down to the lives of their children, myself, and my siblings. Um, and and from there, that environment, I kind of grew up with a passion for for reaching people for Jesus, just letting people know about who Jesus is, what he wants to do, what he's done, and what he wants to do in their lives. And, and went to Bible school for a little while, thought I was going to be a pastor. Many of my siblings were pastors and missionaries and doing stuff. Um, but my journey led me into the military for a period and then on to entrepreneurship with some other business endeavors. And um, now to this place where, um, like you mentioned, not only if I'm helping this creation called Give, Send, Go along in the journey that it is, but also uh, a father to a whole lot of different children in a lot of different capacities from biological children to adoptive and, and foster children. So our house itself, just like the house I grew up in when I was young, our house is very busy. There's a lot happening, a lot of uh, a lot of activity here, and and it's been an incredible journey. And that's that's who I am. I think you hit a lot of the points, but love Jesus, love telling people about Him, and um, and one of the ways that we do that is with our business, very openly. That's so wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. Now, you said your house, your home is very busy. How many children are present in your home at any given time? Yeah, so over the past couple of years, the maximum allowed by the state is when you're fostering kids, there's limitations. We had our own three biological, so we were fostering three on top of our three. So we would have six children at any given time. Right now, there's four, which is uh, our three biological and one adopted child. Um, and and we have fosters that bounce in and bounce out for periods of time. Um, so that fluctuates any given week. It could be, you know, the minimum is four right now. It could be up to six at any time. Can I ask you a personal question? Just father to father? Sure. All right. So how do you protect your kids from maybe the negative influences of the foster kids coming in from negative environments? Yeah. Well, we, we, we walked trepidatiously, I'd say initially when we, when we first got into the fostering system, we said, we want only kids younger than our children. And so that was like our first step into it was, all right, We'll take kids that are more malleable, younger, don't have as much outside influence in what they're bringing. Um, and then we're also going to train our children well ourselves. Um, we're very engaged with our children, not always in, in the best place, but we are, uh, we're not helicopter parents by any means, but um, very involved in, in showing them who we are and what our faith is. And so they have a strong foundation for what they believe. Um, and and we navigate that with the children around them. Since then, as we've kind of our children have gotten a little bit older, we have taken some older kids. Mm -hmm. um, but we're open and frank with our children about all of these discussions because they are a little bit older now. So our yeah. children are um, 
well, our biological are 10, 12, and 14. Okay. Our yeah. adopted is seven. So, our, but it's always a conversation. We're, we're a household that believes in communication and talking. And it's been amazing. The influence is kind of like a pack is that when a new child comes into the house, because we have routine, we don't operate. I use this term all the time, willy-nilly. Willy <laughs> we don't operate willy-nilly. We kind of like have structure, mm -hmm. and which is essential for, for children. It's essential for people. And, and so I think most kids, especially in the foster system, lacking that, they come in, they see structure, and they actually begin to thrive in it. It actually gives them like life and strength. And, because and so, that's normally what they're missing right? from where they're coming from. Thank you for answering that. I appreciate that. And just a little thing, you know, I resonate with, you know, you said we're not helicopter parents. It sounds like you and I are more like, uh, we're like, uh, you know, jet fighters as far as parents, right? <laughs> like, so like, listen, bottom line, like they call us in when things needs to to happen, to change, right? We're ready. We're fully armed. We're prepared, but we're not always firing missiles. Okay. Right. We're jet fighters as parents. All right, Jacob, uh, let's go back in time just a little bit. Cause I want to, you did a really good job of just kind of like, uh, leading us from the beginning in your life and where God's showing up. And then you're like fully alive based on your parents living as good Christian witnesses for you and your loving siblings. You're just lit up, right? You're so you're salt and light in the world. And, uh, you're out there talking to people about Jesus and what he's done in your life, what he could do in theirs, how he could change everything for them. Like when was the first time, like you truly as an adult, truly doubted, um, you know, went through a season of desolation possibly rather than, you know, feeling God's presence all the time, which we know isn't really real. Like right. we go through these seasons of like, where did you go? God, you were there a second ago. I was high on life. I had purpose. I have clarity. And now I don't feel any of it. Right. Just like Jesus, right on the cross, like, Father, why have you abandoned me? We all go through these abandonment seasons with him. Tell us about the uh, the first one you went through and just share that story, would you? Wow. Okay. I, so, I just got right to it, man. Let's go. Yeah, no, seriously. Well, you know, I, understanding the background that I grew up in, a really strong faith-filled background, um, was not devoid of struggle. And, and I had a, a real encounter with Jesus at a really young age, like, almost seven years old, went to a Billy Graham concert, uh, evangel in the evangelistic tent meeting, something God stirred inside me, planted a vision inside of me. And that kept me as a young child. Obviously, you're not too much concerned with the world. So the pressures of the world aren't there. You get into your teenage years and uh, and you begin to actually have a reality of the world around you, what's mm -hmm. going on. And it was actually in my mid-teenage years where my parents went through uh, a divorce, pretty nasty situation, after having 12 children. Wow. And and having a very, very tumultuous, it was a, a, there was an affair involved in mm. it. There was just like a whole lot of chaos and craziness. And as you can imagine, um, a young teenage boy that really connected to their father and, and looked to him as a role model, all these different things, massive amounts of pressure and intense challenge in that season of life as a teenager saying, okay, God, what, what in the world is, what does this even mean? What is it? The, 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 
the fascinating part of it, there have been definite seasons, like you say, where it's like, oh, it's dry. I'm just, I'm running on what I know to be true. And so, or what I, you know, the principles that are instilled inside of me, and this is how I'm going to live. I'm not hearing from you. I'm just going to operate according to the best wisdom I can out of, out of that. And, and, you know, David wrote this about himself. He said, I've hidden God's word in my heart that I might not sin against you. As a young person, I was just, I was a, a kid that read the Bible and I put God's word inside of me. And it's really been one of those things that it's always been the fallback on. So when it's dry in the sense of like, okay, God, what are you really talking to me in those moments? It's like, I always fall back to just the substance of who he is. So even in those super difficult moments where they were super challenging, I was screaming at God. But I, but I was screaming at God. I wasn't, I wasn't screaming at anyone else. It was like, no, I was going to God with my hurt, with my pain, with my challenge. And, and obviously, you know, there's been plenty of sin in, involved and in like, I'm not painting myself as some perfect person because that's not at all what I am. But I, th- I thought I was seeing a halo, like yeah, hovering, right. hovering <laughs> I over turned, you. I'll turn the lights up a little bit more and get that little that little going on my crown uh yeah it's it's but it was i'd say that teenage years were where i was challenged the most um in okay how could this happen how do these things how can this happen and just realize the reality of what life is at that moment and then navigated my way through it with the help of some great people around me at the same time and and then had cycles of those Later on in my early 20s, as I, you know, got out of Bible college and was just wandering through life trying to figure out what to do and getting in relationships I probably shouldn't have been and like just doing things like that. Um, But yeah, I'd say that that teenage year challenge was that moment where it was like, God, what, where are you? What are you, what are you doing in this? Mm. I so connect with you on your upbringing, um, though you were 11, 12 or 13 when the divorce happened. Uh, I was eight and a half when my parents got divorced after six kids. And, and I remember sa- similar feelings, bro. But the, the biggest uh, overarching feeling, the first time I ever felt it was betrayal, was betrayal. Um, you know, it, one parent telling me that the other parent never loved me. It was all a lie. They've been pretending so that I picked them for the custody. Like just the enemy speaking lies and right. And I felt betrayal from one person. And, and then the other parent, how could you say that to me? If you love me, like, why would you want to separate me from the, my other parent? Like it was just so much darkness. Now, eight and a half years old, I couldn't really process all that information. Praise God. You, you had like, you could process some of it, right? Like you said, right. um, but yeah, so I just connect with you in that story. Like it's mm. almost like we started life backwards, you know, right. upside down and inside out. <laughs> and now we have to sort ourselves out, so to speak. Right. Uh, unlike you, I ran to the world with my problems and ran away from God. Mm. Um, yeah, so praise God that you just stuck, man. You were the older brother in the prodigal son story. And I was the younger brother. <laughs> right. That's okay. awesome, right? So two different sides for our audience and re- Every listener right now identifies with one or the other, depending on what season you're in. Mm-hmm. That's why that story is so amazing. And, it, and it's, right. it's, it's eternal, right? That story. All right. So Jacob, uh, skip ahead. You go to Bible study, you're dating some of the wrong girls. Uh, you're making decisions. Obviously you weren't, you know, immune to sin. You're going through all the stuff a guy goes through, a young man goes through. At what point 
did you like say this is enough? Um, I don't need all of this. God is my only cure. He's mm. all I want. When did you have that moment? And what was the igniter for you in your life? What actually happened? Yeah, you know, um, I don't, I don't know. I don't know that there was, you know, that's a great question. I don't know that there was, there've been moments where you're like, okay, you, you listen to something incredible. You're at someplace and you feel, you know, there's this tangibleness to, mm -hmm. to who God is. Um, but that's always been with me. It's been so rooted. Like I never left church mm. in this whole journey. Like I never, I never disconnected myself from a foundational source. And so I was always being fed, fed, the truth of who God is, even in the midst of those moments where I was like engaging. And so it was those moments were filled with levels of of guilt in that it's like, OK, well, I know how I'm living in this relationship isn't how God wants me to live. Um, so there's a constant tension and challenge there. I think what what God does and has done through that is um, he, he confronted those moments in my life with great people calling things out and, and calling me forward. Um, and then, and then in the journey, it's, there's this verse in Hebrews 11 talks about how that uh, through one sacrifice, we have been made holy. Those who are being sanctified. It's like this constant, though we're viewed in this light before God as, as holy, as, as completed, yet there's this dual purpose of sanctification working at the same time. And um, I don't ever look at myself and be like, well, I'm, I'm at like an arrived state yet. It's like, no, God's continuing yesterday, man. I was so, I beat up on myself yesterday so much because I went off on my kids way harder than I should have. And part of it was my own frustration. They were doing something that they shouldn't have been doing. Um, but my own frustration with some of my own, you know, lacks of disciplines around certain things that I'm trying to get done and just not doing because I'm being lazy about it or whatever. And, and then it erupts into those types of things. And, and I had to apologize and be like, I'm sorry, like I'm, I'm still broken and, or there's still, God's still working on things inside of me, even at this. And so I look at my life through that lens of sort is that, um, Outside of the aha moment, I'd say when I said yes to Jesus, God, I want, I give you my life. I'm going to make you Lord of my life. As I've navigated every season of life, there's been a, a constant Jesus on, at the foundation and then the tension of the issue that I'm dealing with and then God bringing it to a resolution to move me on to the next thing that he wants to deal, <laughs> deal with me about. You know, one thing about most of our lives is we move from one season of growth to another. Right. And without friction, pain, suffering, growth doesn't happen, right? You right. got to go to the gyms, tear their muscles in order for them to grow and expand and be stronger. Mm. And so how much we resist the next season of growth. Yet we're like, I want to grow. I want to grow closer to you, deeper to you, Lord. I want to grow closer to my wife, my kids. But we don't want the pain that's required for the growth. Isn't that true? I know that's true for me. That's it, man. That's, that's it. We resist it. 
Right. right. So we're like pain avoidance at all costs, <laughs> but yeah. like attracted to growth. <laughs> it's such a conundrum. Such a conundrum. <laughs> um, it's the paradox yeah. that God put it on, in us. All right. So I want to talk about Give, Send, Go. This company came from where? Like, where did this idea birth? Was this a God inspired moment in your life? Was it a season of growth and like swinging your fist at heaven? Or was it like your halo was shining brighter than ever? <laughs> like, when did this happen? Yeah. Tell us that story. Okay. Well, so I, I point back to that moment, um, a foundational moment, which was that Billy Graham moment that I talked about that tent meeting. I really felt something imparted into me in my spirit, seeing what happened in, at that time, just seeing everything going on. And it really gave me a vision for a, a big life. And I think the Bible's clear about this. If you don't have vision, you're gonna perish. If you don't, I think this is what I see in the foster care system too. So many kids that are coming into, they have zero vision for the future. And this is why they end up perishing. They have, they've never seen a world bigger than the broke, just the, the, the dysfunction of the situation that they're in. So they can't even imagine success. They can't even imagine doing something. And fortunately, I had parents that introduced me to all sorts of different things. But in one of those, bringing me that, to that Billy Graham place, having something powerful impacted in me and sticking with me from seven years old all the way through um, getting out of the Navy. And I'm starting to get into business. I'm doing real estate. I'm flipping properties. I'm buying and selling properties. I've got rental properties. Like I'm doing all this real estate stuff and being somewhat successful. I was actually being successful with it. Um, had just built some disciplines around saving my money and then buying whatever. And all of that was leading up to a place where I was looking at what was happening in the real estate business that I was building. And it required a lot of my time and energy, it was like, I negotiated the deal between a buyer and a seller. And I was this middle person and I, hours on this side and hours on that side and a lot of time to, to negotiate something. And in the back of my mind was this idea of fostering, trying to, to, to figure out what it was gonna be. But is there a way that I can be a part of a lot of deals with only a minimal amount of time? Like in this transfer, the flow of funds, that was kind of like this, this background thought. And then 2013 happens. My wife and I were moving back from where I'd been stationed down in Virginia to New England, get together with some family members. And I had a sister, um, my sister Emily, who a couple months earlier had had a conversation with her brother-in-law, who was an entrepreneur himself. And he had a friend who was had created a competitor to go fund me. Mm -hmm. And... And in that journey, my brother, her, my sister's brother-in-law, they were having a conversation around his journey and how he wasn't able to make it successful. GoFundMe had captured the marketplace. We're early on, crowdfunding sites were riding on the back of social media platforms that were blowing up. Everyone was adopting Facebook. Everyone was adopting Twitter. And crowdfunding was a way to connect with all of those people that you were connecting with on the social platforms. And GoFundMe was that earlier earliest kind of like first mover in the space. They gained all this momentum. So that conversation happened with my sister and her brother-in-law. Three months later, I'm coming home and we're getting all together for a Thanksgiving meal. And we're hanging out afterwards and just having conversation with me and a whole bunch of siblings. 
And that conversation of, man, what if, what if there was a platform that wasn't just about fund me, but was and and raising money because we as Christians realized that money wasn't the end of the solution. It's like it's important. It's an important part to helping people people's material needs, but there are immaterial needs that people have as well. So, what if there was a platform that brought both of those together? Hope for our immaterial needs and funding for our material needs, and that's where the birth of Give Send Go started. Was in that conversation. For me, it was like light bulbs started going off in my head. I was like, this is it. This is this is the thing that God had somewhat been preparing me for, or at least felt like, like this is this is it. So I just started running with it. And then myself and another sister, Heather. So Emily, Heather, and I, we all came together. We started the ball moving. And then um, and we launched in 20, the end of 2015. And Heather and I ended up carrying the ball forward from there from 2016 on. Um, yeah, there's none of us with degrees, none of us with, you know, education of any, my, Heather was a stay at home mom. Emily was, you know, kind of in a similar situation. And I was just out of the military trying to do some real estate deals and, and God threw this idea on our laps and we said, okay, let's try it out. And yeah, that's so cool. You know, this is what we're talking about. It's that obedience to God when you get the prompting in your heart. And normally, sometimes, not normally, but sometimes it comes out of nowhere. It's like, God, I'm over here doing my plans and schemes, and they're going kind of well. Like, what is this? This is left field. You want me to, like, drop what I'm doing, change directions. I know nothing about this. I don't have the pedigree for this. I don't have the degrees. And and, and you're picking me? Mm. Right. Like, did you feel any of that? I feel that every single day. <laughs> I, 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 I was going to say Heather and I, and maybe not Heather, but I say um, every single day, I don't know what the heck you're doing with asking me to, to be a part of leading this thing because I'm not, I'm not qualified. Like I'm just not qualified. I don't have the the Harvard Stanford degrees and the backing on startup culture and creating the best business model and doing all the things right and this is how you grow a business and it's like I don't we are I'd say it's a wing and a prayer that's literally we're just like okay let's do what we think and believe is what we ought to do in this moment and it's turning out to be right um, largely because our basis for the things that we do is is it rooted in truth. Is it, is it uh, something that's for the well-being of people and God's truth for humanity and how he wants to work in this world? And so we, we say, that, okay, yeah, this is, this, is our, this is how we're going to operate. So, yeah, every day, what are you doing using me? <laughs> well, he's doing good. That's what he's doing. Mm, he is. Wow, that's, uh, that's really cool. How many times as Christians, when God calls us, we feel unqualified. We feel unworthy. Maybe you're listening right now and you feel unworthy as a husband, as a father, as a wife, as a mother, as a business owner. You're like, I feel like I screw up eight out of 10 things. And the two things I think I do good yeah, I ended up screwing up 50% of those too, right? And it's, 
we feel like frauds, like imposters in our calling sometimes. Now, of course, there's those outliers. And maybe you're one of them as you're listening right now. You're like, Joseph, I don't know what you're talking about. I am fired up. I am clear. God is guiding me, man. Everything is his, my life, my business. And man, we are soaring. Okay. <laughs> you don't represent the majority. I'll say that. <laughs> right? So that's a beautiful thing if that's happening for you. But if it's not happening for you, like, Jacob, what do you want to say to that believer that is dis? They're a believer in God, but a disbeliever in themselves. Mm. Well, I I think um, who was it this past weekend? Alistair 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 Bragg is a, a a preacher. Alistair's his first name. I'm forgetting his last name. But he said, you know, when you when I stand before Jesus, um, what I don't want to say is when asked, "How did you get here?" or "Why are you here?" I don't want to start saying, well, it's because I, no, it's not because of I, it's because of what he did. And I think um, a recognition that it's, it's not because of you. It's not, God does what he does in spite of our brokenness. Um, it's because of our brokenness. He did what he did. It all comes from, it's not because of, it's not because you can make yourself worthy before God. And, and, it's not that it's this is this is like the paradigm of of the God in creation. Everything was creation to a place of rest at the cross. It went from working towards rest to moving from a place of rest that that now we move from the cross, a place of finished. The work's been done. Hey, this is Ephesians one. If you've ever read Watchman Nee, he writes this and sit, walk, stand. Um, that Ephesians 1, incredible passage on who we are in Christ because of who Christ is, not because of who we are. And so what I'm hearing you say is we need to take the focus off ourselves, our own right. limitations and put the focus on God and his unlimitedness. Right. Yeah. And seeking, seeking what he has, you know, yeah. I think Paul recognizes so much about himself. If you if you look at his journey as a as a Christian, he started early on his journey in his early in his early letters. He said, "Hey, become like me because I'm like Christ." And by the end of his letters, he's like, "Man, I'm the chief of sinners." Like, what a transformation in a thought process about who you are, um, and that that God could be exalted in my weaknesses. Mm-hmm. In, in the things that I that I don't have a lot of strength in. And um, and God has a fascinating way of doing that. It, it blows my mind that he can take the difficulties, um, these the hardships of life and refine us through them as the the molder, the fashioner and in creating something that can carry his glory. These, as Paul says in Second Corinthians four, these jars of clay, mm. like God's fashion, but all for the purpose of carrying an eternal weight. Though we have these momentary afflictions, he says, they're all creating some, inside of us some this eternal weight of glory. Like it, it's, it's so much about him mm. and him and him and him. Less of me, more of you, Jesus. 
That's the goal. That's the goal. If you're listening right now and you're plagued with imposter syndrome or just focused on your inabilities and God, why'd you pick me? Like, seriously, <laughs> that guy's so much better and more qualified. <laughs> like, go get him. Give, it, give him this assignment. It's too big for me. Something I say, because I wrestled with this a lot, right? And I still do. And, you know, something I say every morning in the shower, I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens mm -hmm. me. And when I do that, it crushes the fears and limitations in my mind just crushes them in, in half a second. They're just stomped right out. And if you're listening right now, I offer you that. I contribute that to your life. Say that 10 to 12 times a day out loud. I can do all things through Jesus Christ who strengthens me. See, it has nothing to do with you. And right there, just crush your fears, crush your limitations, and then act in obedience. The very next thing in front of you, period. Right. All right, Jacob, I want to hear more about Give, Send, Go, because you got some stories from this platform. I know you do. <laughs> All right. Give uh, us give us uh, the most provocative story you could think of right now of what you uh, saw through the platform, on the platform. Like, do you have something? I, I do. This is like one of the foundational stories that, that helped mold Give, Send, Go. Some of your listeners might be aware of this one name associated with this story is the name was Kyle Rittenhouse. A um, couple of years back in the end of the summer of 2020, a lot of civil unrest. COVID was, you know, marching through the global environment and um, the George Floyd incident had taken place several months earlier. And this, there was a lot of upset and tension around that in cities we're in a, in a flux with a lot of um, violence and damage that was happening. And a young man named Kyle Rittenhouse found himself in the midst of one of those situations, super polarized moments in American culture, and ended up shooting um, a couple people in defense of himself. At least that's how the courts saw it, because he was exonerated from, from any um, you know murder charges or things like that. In the background of that story, was another story. Everyone or a lot of people know about the Kyle Rittenhouse story because it was on every newspaper, like it was splashed everywhere. But in the background of that was another young man. His name was um, Jake Gardner. And Jake Gardner had been in a very similar situation to Kyle Rittenhouse two months earlier in Omaha, Nebraska. And he had been deplatformed because of his situation from everything. So GoFundMe wasn't allowing him a way to fundraise for his legal defense, even though the prosecutors who initially looked at his case, because it was very similar to Kyle in a lot of ways, um, had said everything that happened was self-defense. But because of the political environment, they convened a grand jury to go after Jake Gardner, even though the prosecutors, and, and it was all on video and phones and stuff like that, prosecution had said it was self-defense. They said, no, we got to take this because it fits our narrative. I, I'm assuming that's the narrative that people want to hear. And they pushed this case. Now, this, this guy was a military veteran, had served honorably, discharged honorably, served in, in Iraq, and in, in uh, two tours in Iraq, had, had been discharged honorably, owned a bar in Omaha, Nebraska, is, is confronted in this situation, defends himself, gets in the middle of, the, of this 
heated political situation and is being shut off from every avenue to have his side of the story told. All that was being told was he's everything that the other side of the aisle wanted to paint against him. So it was one narrative. So he was kicked off Facebook and kicked off Twitter, kicked off all the social media platforms, kicked off any fundraising platform. He didn't know about Give, Send, Go. Well, fast forward two months later after his story has died down and he's gone into hiding because his bar has been taken from him. Everything's been taken from him. He's in hiding. He's waiting for this grand jury to come back with a verdict on on what they're going to do in his situation. Two months goes by. Kyle Rittenhouse situation happens in August of 2020. Bang, it's all over the front news. That campaign comes to Give, Send, Go. At Give, Send, Go, we said, well, raising funds for illegal defense, there's nothing illegal about doing that. Why should only wealthy people be able to afford their own private attorneys? Like, why should Bill Gates be the, is it because he made a lot of money he should have a private attorney? Like, anyways, we said, well, it doesn't make sense for us to kick Kyle's campaign off. It's It's nothing illegal. He should have a voice just as much as the other side screaming their voice, which they were very loud. So we allowed Kyle's campaign. And in that, Jake Gardner, this guy who had gone through a similar, saw that and he said, oh, my goodness, maybe here's a platform where I can get my voice out a little bit, raise some money for my legal defense. And so he sets up a campaign. All the news, everything is on Kyle Rittenhouse. But this guy, Jake Gardner, whose situation would have been just as big as Kyle's if he had had a platform, but he did it. He sets up a campaign. He begins to raise a little bit of money, but mo- most of the attention, like I said, was on Kyle. Two days later, after after creating his campaign, he's put his phone number in his campaign, which we don't recommend because you're going to get people calling you, spent whatever. He's desperate for connection. You could see it in everything that he had written. Two days after setting up his campaign, his grand jury has convened. They come back with their verdict. They're going to they're going to take him to trial. So what does Jake Gardner do? He puts a gun in his mouth and he blows his head off. He commits suicide. And so we're sitting there as a platform, as owners of this, this company saying, what the heck just happened? Here's this guy who is an, a military veteran, honorably served our country, had put his life on the line, was owning a business, doing his thing up in, in Omaha, Nebraska. And he's confronted with this and he's deplatformed. He's shut off from any connection, from any way to have a voice about his situation, for anybody to speak into a situation. One of the things that Kyle has said to me personally, um, and also several other big campaign owners, they say, you know what, I don't care about the amount of money that I've raised on your platform. It's amazing, Kyle raised 700,000. We've seen campaigns raise hundreds and hundreds of thousands, millions of dollars. They say, you know what, it's at the it's at nighttime when I come home and I'm feeling the pressure and the weight of the world because everyone's screaming things at me that aren't true or I don't. And I can go to my prayer inbox where people have messaged me and I can see messages from people all over the world speaking hope and life into me. That's what gets me through the day. Jake Garner didn't have that. Kyle did. That's the difference in my mind between why Kyle's alive and Jake isn't. Jake would be, in my mind, alive today. So that for us in the journey of Give, Send, Go was like the steel rod up our back that said, you know what? No, we're not playing this game. Lives are in the balance. People should have a voice, whether you disagree with them or not. I don't care how loud the other side is. And this goes for both sides of the political aisle. What you're doing is a legal endeavor. So that's like it it was a it was a issue and a story that actually made me cry, made my sister cry because this guy literally kills himself um because of because of 
all of that circumstance. And we said, well, that's on GoFundMe. That's on Facebook. That's on Twitter. Their censorship is actually inciting more violence. Their censorship is killing people. This is what happens when you do the things that they're doing. And, and I put his blood on their hands. And we said at that moment, never again, we're not going to play this game. We're not going to do this big tech overlord censorship on the arbiter of truth type of crazy, prideful, arrogant positioning. So long story, but a powerful one from, from our perspective of what kind of steeled us on the journey that we're on of just saying, hey, we love people. We want to share hope with people. And we're going to do that the best way that we can, which is give them a platform where they can have a voice. And then call, we call and pray with every campaign owner and we share Jesus with them. Like we go out of our way to, to touch, reach into people's lives, to share the hope that we have with people. Wow. And, yeah. That's exceptional. Not, not just the story. That's a powerful story. But that you as owners of this platform call each one of your, you know, people campaigns, that come on. Yeah. Your, yeah. Each one of your campaign owners, like. That says something. That's awesome. So you're literally using your platform as an evangelization tool, correct? Our, our mission statement is to share the hope of Jesus through crowdfunding. Like that. There you go. That's it. We are not ashamed of who we are at all. You know, after you just shared that story, I'm looking at uh, my own reflection in this video camera, and I'm realizing the shirt that I chose to wear today, which says Jesus was wrongly judged. <laughs> Jesus was wrongly judged, just like both those young men you just shared, Jesus was falsely accused. So if he went first, you know, he says, Hey, if I went through this, why do you expect that you're not going to? Right. Right. So these men, they went through this. Thank goodness for one of the men that gives Sengo was there uh, for him to give light in his darkness and hope. Uh, so he keep, kept going. Uh, wow. Powerful story. Powerful story. Okay. What, what else do you want to share about I want to hear what God is doing right now with you in your life um, and what what he's already revealed is next for you. Like, what's the vision? Like you said, what's that next vision? Well, I, you know, there's there's vision personally. Obviously, there's the vision for the company. And I know for our company's goal is we say this all the time. We're not the alternative to those other crowdfunding sites. We're the replacement. Um, we have that mindset about who we are and where we're going is that um, we have a better model there in what we're doing. It's more holistic. It's more community driven. And, and we're in 86 countries. We're outgrowing the competition. They're firing people. We're hiring people. Um, um, you know, so the vision of Give, Send, Go is to be the best and biggest global crowdfunding company, uh, you know, around the world. Personally, um, my my personal vision is to uh, is is a little to be honest is a little cloudy, um, and I'll say the the beginning of Give Send Go the for me and my journey moving home to New England after my time in the military. I knew God was caught, like God was speaking to me about it. It was so crystal clear. Like it was just, this is what we're doing. This is, this is what God's calling us to do it, from that. Then go, then give, send, go became like the idea. And it was like, Oh, this is what I'm supposed to like clear as day, clear as day, clear as day. And I come to this point in the journey and give, send, go is growing. We're adding people. 
Um, and I say, God, you know, is, is this, uh, is this be, because I'm not hearing real clarity around the future of this. Okay. Well, I'm just going to continue to endure until you tell me to do something and not endure in necessarily a bad way, but, um, what, what is there? I know that there are some dreams still inside of me. And some of that is being a communicator. Um, I really feel like that's put inside of me a word just to, to speak. And, and it's been fermenting or just bubbling for years. And there's, there's never been much of an outlet. I think now, um, there's becoming more and more of an outlet for that. Um, so there's possibly that personally to love my family better. I mean, that's, that's my vision to love my kids better, to connect. They're getting older so quickly. Time moves so fast. You get caught up in this business stuff and it's like, man, what happened? My kid's as tall as I am now. It's just, it's, it's not saying much cause I'm not that tall, but, uh, <laughs> But the average that, height, right? I'm like five as, eight. as parents, we as parents, we all get that what you're saying there. We're watching time slip by, and sometimes where though our focus is on good things, our focus is not on the best things. Mm. Is that fair? Completely. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know the type of work I get to do with men is reprioritizing them to the best things. God's best, not their best. Not just the good enoughs, right? So many guys settle for good enough. Mm. So many women settle for good enough. And God is like, I made you for greatness, for greatness. Right. But thank you for sharing that with such honesty and transparency. And I know that makes a lot of us listening right now feel oh, just a little better. Like, oh, it's not just me. That, man, I when I started this business, oh, man, I knew with certainty. There was just this inner knowing, this is it. Let's go. This is from God. He's got me. And now we're a few years in and we're like, hey, God, you still got me? Like, <laughs> how, how come you haven't been showing up to the board meetings? Why am, I, why am I coming up with these decisions? I don't know if they're right. I don't know if they're wrong. Like, can I get something? Can I get like a bat signal from heaven? Just something. Just let me, remind me you're there. Remind me you're there. So thank you for sharing that. This is part of the human condition. This is part of the journey. And people, this requires faith. This is the faith. This is where God wants to grow you in faith. If you're not hearing from him, he's growing you in faith. If you're not hearing from him, he's growing you in faith. That's the assignment. Be faithful and keep moving forward with the last thing he told you. Yeah, like you, you said it, Jacob. You're like, I'm just going to go back to the last thing I heard. I'm just going to stay with that and endure with that. Like, just keep that going until I hear something new. That's the play. Right. That's, you know, I was wondering when this was going to not not this in particular, but I just so happened to be reading starting the book of Luke today in the first three chapters, three times when Mary was told things from God, from Elizabeth, from people around her. It says she stored up what was told her and hid it inside of her. She she held on, she stored. I was like, what a fascinating thing. She This is now said three times in these three chapters. Like is, this is a lot of, that she's taking this in and she's holding this. She's like, this is my reserve. This is like my rock. God's spoken something to me and I'm holding on to it so that I can 
look back at it in the days and the weeks and the years to come, I can go back and say, no, I remember God spoke this to me. It's so fascinating that we just came to that point because that's exactly, I'm, I literally after it stuck, it stuck out so much to me this morning because I never seen it that, that many times. And, I, and this is, that's it. Yeah. Well, that's the Holy Spirit confirming it. You heard it twice right. in the same day right there, you know, and think about Mary, like to Jacob's point, as you're listening right now, like you're like, but it's been so long. It's been two years. It's been five years since I last heard from him on this specific direction. Mary waited 33 years, 33 years to see God's plan start to begin, right? To begin, well, 30 years, 30 years, I should say, right? To see it begin to unfold in her son's life. That's a long time to wait with no visual evidence. Yeah. So yeah, good thing she had a good storage there. Like that's, that's <laughs> right. key. all right. So, all right. We're speaking with Jacob Wells. He is the founder and CFO of give send go.com. It's a free fundraising platform. Um, obviously he's got so many stories. We only shared, you know, one or two there, but he has so many stories and maybe as you're listening, your story is going to be next. Your story is going to be the story that he shares when God opens up the speaking platform for him. Uh, so he can yeah. communicate and tap that that dream that he's had for for quite some time now. Uh, Jacob, I want to ask you something. What do you do to strengthen and deepen your faith? Like, what's that habit, daily or weekly? Um, I I listen to worship music all the time. So I I think, you know, I grew up. That was my family dynamic. My mom always had music playing, uh, records at that time tapes and then cds like but it was worship music just playing and i so to me that's as a musician myself like worship music is so powerful it's an outlet to like just engage with who god is and so that's a staple around me like i shut off the music top on with you um that's that's huge because it's just inundating the atmosphere and, mm -hmm. and atmospheres, you'd be surprised what verbal, out loud proclamation of who God do, is, does to the atmosphere around you. It's so important. Like, change the atmosphere. Speak it out loud yourself, like you said, but also play it. There's so much, so much content you can just be declaring in your workspace, in your office, who God is and, and worshiping. Because, like, in this great worship music. So that's one. I do go to the gym and, like... Get some time where I'm just running or lifting or doing doing those things where I'm by myself and I'm just kind of like cut off a bit from other things. You know, that's a that's a place where we get some like time to communicate. But those are a couple of different things. Yeah, thank you for that. Thanks for sharing that. All right, Jacob, welcome to my favorite part of the show, the wrap up here, right? We call it the confession round. I'm going to ask you 10 quick fire questions. You'll have about three seconds to answer each. Don't overthink it. It's just for fun. It's like a game show minus the prizes. Are you ready? <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay. What is your favorite thing about God? Oh my gosh. Um, his, his creativeness. Yeah, right? And we're made in his image and likeness, so we get to co-create with him. How cool is that? Yeah, Create amazing. something out of nothing. Pretty right. amazing. All right, what is your least favorite thing about God? 
least favorite thing about God. Yeah. Um, that that he made a he made a world where um, that's playing out the way that it is. Yeah, it's not perfect. It's actually right. really broken. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I believe we're all struggling with something at any given moment of our life. It's just part of the human condition. What are you currently struggling with or challenged with, uh, either professionally or personally, right now in this season? Personally, right off the bat, anger. Mm. Like it's just, um, and it might be because or whatever. There's there's an a root of anger somewhere in there, and it's like, God, get this out of me. I don't want it. Like I shouldn't be triggered to get angry that quickly. Mm. Um, and, and it usually takes a bit, but that, that definitely personally there. And then for the, the, um, like, I think the other side of that was business side was just my, my leadership development, um, that would be, would be the other side of that. Yeah. I got it. What are you most afraid of? Yeah. Do I have fear? <laughs> um, what I, what am I most afraid of? Most afraid of not, I think, not being a good parent to my kids. Yeah, I get that. What did you spend way too much time doing this past year? Uh, listening to pod, YouTube videos, like <laughs> listening, nonsense. Listening to Broken Catholic? <laughs> <laughs> what, what secret fear do you have about people? Uh, that they won't like me. Yeah. Like, that's a common one for sure. It comes yeah. up a lot on the show. Uh, what do you wish you had learned sooner about God? That um, that I don't have to earn it. He did it. Let's go. What's a new habit you're going to create this year? Um, I'm going to and am uh, taking control of my time. It's prioritizing my calendar. Like. Every every minute accounted for. It's critical. What's a bad habit you're gonna break? Eating eating junk food after nine nine p.m. It's so annoying. So, <laughs> why does it taste better after nine p.m.? I don't get it. Uh, pick three words to describe who you are now. Um, enduring. Um, strong and uh, and logical yeah i like it pick three words to describe who you were before you committed your entire life to jesus uh young childish <laughs> and foolish got it and last question jacob if you could come back to life after you died not reincarnation, hypothetically. Look your wife, your kids, uh, your friends, your coworkers in the eye and give them only one piece of advice about God and relationship with him. What would you say to them? It's worth it. It's worth it. Let's go. This is the time when you get to give my audience a homework assignment. What is one action they must take this week hmm. if they want to progress in their faith journey? No doubt. Hide God's word in your heart. Pick up a Bible and take a, a verse and memorize it. Do it.
Do it. All right. This week, I may or may not be walking around with a post-it Bible verse on my head. It, it may work. It may work. All right. Did you enjoy the show? Did you enjoy this episode with Jacob Wells? If you did, go to brokencatholic.com, write an honest review about him, about him, not the host, about him. And, or you could go to Apple Podcasts, or you could go to stitcher.com and go ahead and write that, that review, okay? If we like what you write, we're going to share it on the show, give you a shout out like I'm about to do for Al Lakash, Al, uh, sorry, AJ Lakash, AJ Lakash. Thank you for your five-star review of our show. Uh, you wrote, so appreciate this voice. What a gift to the body of Christ, thoughtful, creative, intelligent. Thank you, AJ, for your five-star review. We appreciate you. Uh, go write yours right now. Would you do that? And write it about Jacob. Tell him how much you appreciated him and what God opened up for you in your life through his voice today. Uh, Jacob, where do we go and find out more about you? Take action. What do you got, man? Yeah, it's givesendgo.com. It's those three words, all action words, give, because you're called to be a giver. It's better to give than to send, because God sends us out and go. Givesendgo.com. You can join. You can listen to our podcast there. You can join our giver army. We've got all sorts of resources. You can set up a campaign and engage the world. So many cool things. That is so cool, man. Thank you for being on your our show, Broken Catholic Jacob. I wish you God's love, peace, and joy in your life. You too, Joseph. Cheers. Have you tried absolutely everything and nothing has worked? Have you tried therapy? Have you tried coaching? Have you tried counseling, Christian counseling? Nothing's worked for you, for your spouse. You just want better communication. When you wake up, do you feel like you want to crawl under a rock in the morning time? Is your brain so scattered and foggy at this point that you're not following through with things? You're not keeping your word in the matter. You're letting people down, maybe your own spouse or kids. Do you have way too much on your plate and you're getting more and more frustrated, which is turning into anger? Are you battling addictions right now? Are you an amped up or frantic person with a lot of anxiety and you're off and on of bipolar and depression medicines? If any of these you connect with, then what I do is specifically this. I do not do therapy. I do not do counseling. Those are for people that want to talk about their problems or learn different ways to cope and manage their problems. I don't do that. Reach out to me if you want to get rid of your problems permanently, like be done with the addiction. Be done with the medications. Be done with the escaping your life because you just feel so powerless in it. If you want those results and you want peace, it's what we all want. We're all chasing it. We had it as kids. We lost it. Life beat the crap out of us. If you want peace, that's what I sell. It's God's peace. So you can find that at josephwarren.net. You can schedule a call with me, complimentary. I'll contribute 30 minutes of my time into your life. We'll get clear on what you actually want. Then we'll see if we're, we want to work together. And that's me interviewing you to see if you're ready. Are you ready to do what it takes? Some people try to come to me, but they're not ready to be coachable. They're not ready to get rid of the problems. Again, if you don't want to talk about your problems anymore and you've tried everything and nothing has worked and you want to permanently get rid of them, go to josephwarren.net and let's see if I'm your guy.